Well, today we're starting a new series, a study through the book of Philippians. And let me just make it clear up front here. I do know the difference between the Philippines and the Philippians. Okay? Uh, our church has been to the Philippines. We're going back to the Philippines. We work with some church plants there, and I have some friends there, missionaries there, and, and uh, I know where Philippi is, and we're actually going to show you on a map so you don't think I'm just kidding you. Okay? But, but today, if I get the two words mixed and I, I say, you know, Paul wrote to the Philippines, uh, you don't need to write it on your you know, connection card or draw me a map or anything. I know. I know. Just kind of a, a disclaimer up front there on that. But we are going to start this series, and I'm excited about it. We're going to talk about uh, the series we've, we've titled it, No Matter What. And we're going to see that uh, we get lost a lot in circumstances of life and the things that go on and uh, all the whirlwind around us. And really, folks, the principles of godliness and righteousness and the principles that God wants us to live by are really not uh, that touched by the whirlwind of craziness and chaos in our lives. Uh, the principles of God are solid, and they stay strong no matter what. And so that's the theme of this book. Uh, today we're going to look specifically at the joy in ministry. Uh, there is a certain joy that takes place in ministry uh, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the outcome, and today we're going to look at that. Uh, but first, I want to give you just a little bit of introduction to the, the letter uh, to the Philippians. Uh, Philippi was the chief city in the western part of Macedonia. Now, I know these maps are kind of small if you're sitting in the very back, but let me kind of explain to them. Uh, the one on the left is kind of a biblical map, and the one on the right is the same area today. And so you see in that little box that's kind of blown up there from the middle is the city of Philippi. And it's right there in what is uh, now uh, currently Greece, very close to, to Turkey on the Europe side. And uh, so I don't know if that helps you or not, but that's where the city is. And it's not in Southeast Asia, I know. Uh, this letter was written by the Apostle Paul uh, while he was in prison, probably in Rome, uh, somewhere between 62 and 65 A.D., Paul was really instrumental in planting this church at Philippi. In fact, it was planted during his second missionary journey. Now, his plan, uh, when he was uh, here in, in, in the Middle East, his plan was to go uh, to north and northeast uh, into Asia and spread the gospel there. But the Bible says twice, the Spirit of God once and the Spirit of Jesus stopped him uh, from doing that. And in fact, uh, after God's Spirit stopped him, and that really intrigues me, folks, because when you look at the fact that the Holy Spirit of God stopped Paul from sharing the gospel in a land where they didn't have it, I just go, why in the world did God do that? That just seems out of his character. Well, there was a reason. And the reason was his plan was to extend the gospel uh, into Europe. And so uh, Paul had this vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. And this is when Paul and his team sailed to Europe in this uh, uh, city of Philippi, and they planted a church there. They led some people to Jesus, they started discipling them, and they planted this church there in Philippi. Uh, the interesting thing is that in, in Europe at the time, uh, roads had started to be built, and civilization was probably somewhere between 30 to 50 or 60 years ahead of where it was in Asia. In other words, if Paul would have stuck to his plan, the, the gospel probably would have sped, spread through Asia, but very slowly, uh, probably not very well, city to city. But as they went to Europe by God's leading, 
the, the gospel spread throughout Europe like crazy, like wildfire, because of the fact that they had roads and they had this civilization that was farther uh, down the road. Bum bum. And, um, and so they went there and planted this church. And now Paul's writing them a, a mere 10, 10 to 20 years later. So keep in mind, this church was kind of at the place our church is at. Uh, our church is now uh, just 10 years and about six months old. Started, planted a new church. So, so this church in Philippi was only somewhere between 10 and 20 years old. We don't know exactly. Uh, this is the only letter that Paul writes where he's not writing to correct some bad behavior or bad belief. If you, if you haven't realized it, all the other times that Paul wrote specifically to a church, he was writing them to say, hey, stop behaving this way. You guys know better. Or stop believing this way. You know better. That's not the gospel I shared with you. That's not what I told you when I came and planted that church. That's not the saving grace of Jesus. He's not writing to the church at Philippi to correct any problems. And this is the only letter where he does this. So I think that's a pretty interesting thing, and it also makes this letter uh, kind of different and probably a lot more encouraging than some of the other letters. So let's just get started. We're going to go through the first 11 verses today uh, of Philippians chapter 1. And let's get started. And we see the first thing that happens is uh, Paul writes to them and says, Hey, church at Philippi, this is Paul. But he does it in a little more elaborate way. In fact, his salutation has this positioning and blessing around it. And it's really, he's teaching a lot of doctrine, even, even in his hello, church, this is Paul. So let's look at it in verses 1 and 2. Wow, that was a miracle right there. Verses 1 and 2, here's what it says. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, I'm going to put this back uh, to the beginning of this because I want you to see these things actually in the verse. What we see here is Paul is the apostle. Paul is the one writing by God's inspiration. He is the author of the letter. But he gives Timothy, in a sense, credit for it right up front with him. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now, there are several men in our church who are aspiring to be pastors, feel uh, God's call to be involved in vocational ministry or things like that. Uh, this is a great lesson for us, gentlemen. Uh, Paul and Timothy were together even though Paul was clearly the leader. Paul didn't say, hey, this is me, Paul, the great apostle, and Timothy, my right-hand man. He said, listen, this is Paul and Timothy. We are co-laborers in the gospel. Let me say to all of you who are considering being a pastor or, or, or being involved in vocational ministry in any way, the people that stand shoulder to shoulder with you and serve with you, your co-laborers should feel like co-laborers, not like employees. I hope and I pray that Pastor Derek, that Pastor Kendall, uh, especially Pastor Derek since he's also paid here, I, I pray that he doesn't ever feel like an employee, like he feels like he works for me. He ought to feel like he works with me. And, and men, that's just, a, that's just an important thing because Paul and Timothy work together here to accomplish the same thing. And then he says, and by the way, the reason there's no hierarchy here for us is that we're servants of Christ Jesus. At the end of the day, there's only one real leader. There's only one tip-top, uh, tip-of-the-spear leader, and that's Jesus Christ himself. And we are both complete servants 
of Christ. And then when Paul writes to the saints at Philippi, by the way, when he, we see that word that he's writing to the saints, uh, I know a lot of people in our church come from a lot of different backgrounds. He's specifically talking to all the believers there. These are not people who have reached some level of sainthood or some level of perfection or have done certain things. This is everybody who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save them from their sins. They're all saints, by the way. You're all saints too. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are already a saint according to the scriptures. And so Paul is writing to them. Then he mentions the overseers and deacons. And don't think that that order uh, is accidental. It is very specific. He mentions uh, uh, the saints first, and then he mentions the overseers and deacons. Now these are the two offices in the New Testament church. The two offices are pastor, elder, overseer. They're all synonymous words for the same position of pastors and deacons. And the reason he puts them in this order, folks, is that the pastors are, and deacons are for the church. The church doesn't exist for the pastors and deacons. Now, uh, gentlemen, those of you who are considering being pastors or those of you who serve as deacons, we need to always remember this. We are servants of the body of Christ we are not here to lord over others, but we are here to serve others. We should be uh, the chief servants. We should be those that, that stay longer than anybody else. We should be those who, 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 who give and sacrifice and, and do the things uh, to move God's vision forward here more than anyone else. This church doesn't exist for us. It exists for, it exists for Christ. In almost every letter, Paul asks for this peace of God that only comes through the grace of God to be given and to be present in the church. Look what he says there. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, grace and peace don't come from any other source. You will never have peace in your life. You will never receive and experience God's grace apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Paul has basically only written... Hey, church at Philippi, this is me, Paul. And yet he's taught us five, six, seven, eight great lessons already. Because uh, that's just how he does when he's inspired. And so he does this uh, very uh, specifically and intentionally. And now he gets into the meat of what he wants to say. And we see that he talks about a thankfulness and joy uh, are a fruit of gospel relationships. He said, having thankfulness and joy and experiencing those are the fruit of gospel relationships. And we'll talk about what those mean here in just a minute. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus, or in this particular passage, Jesus Christ. Paul thanks God and he expresses his joy for the Christians at Philippi who have been partners with him in ministry. Paul is sending them a little bit of a thank you letter here for their financial generosity. This church has basically partnered with him, and we'll see later in the book that they've par partnered with him financially throughout his ministry. But it's not only that, folks. It's not just the money, okay? That's not all he's writing about. He's saying, listen, I think of you often. And by the way, it brings me joy every single time I think of you. 
And on top of that, I thank God for you every time I think of you. So he says these three things happen. I think of you a lot. And every time I think of you, it brings joy to my heart and it gives me a thankfulness that I thank God for the partnership that I have with you. This church, like many others, has held fast to the gospel. And folks, it's our responsibility to hold fast to the gospel. We need to make sure that in this this world of, of chaos that we live in, that we don't allow ourselves to become uh, distracted by a lot of good things and forget the first things. That's why at Fellowship of Grace, we don't have a lot of, you know, we don't have a lot of clubs. We don't have a quilting club and a car club and a, you know, 500 clubs. I know uh, some churches say, hey, we have over 500 ministries. That's kind of a rally cry. We, we don't. We have a few ministries where we evangelize and we disciple people. We share Christ with them. What are the three things we do at Fellowship of Grace? We love God, we love others, and we make disciples. We don't do anything else, nor should we. And Paul's saying, listen, you've been my partner in this, kind of feeling like my partner throughout this whole thing. These gospel relationships are those that are started and maintained by mutual ministry. And folks, those can be some of the best relationships in your life. I am closer to some of the people that I serve with than even my extended family. Paul encourages them that the work of grace that God has started in them, he'll complete. He's, listen, we didn't start this thing, and I know we use terms sometimes like uh, we receive Jesus as our Savior as though we're doing him a favor. Hey, hey, hey I, I voted for you, God, so I'm on your team now. I've, I, I chose you. Listen, Uh, the fact that we can know him at all, all was initiated by him. It all started with him. It all came about because of him. I mean, all all I did was give in to the Holy Spirit that was already uh, prompting my heart and opening my mind and opening my heart. That's all we did. So it's important that we realize that God has started a work in us. It was him that started it, and it is him that will complete it. And he wants to encourage them that way. So how do, we, how do we make this come alive for us? Well, I want to I tell you that uh, uh, through my life, I've been on a lot of mission trips. I've, I've partnered with a lot of people. And as I was preparing this week, I know some of you are going to think, oh, the pastor's going to show us he's a ninja. No, that's not it. Uh, the, one of the very first mission trips that Fellowship of Grace took uh, was a mission trip, uh, ironically enough, to Arkansas. Uh, and we built homes, missionary homes at a camp so that kids could come to this camp and experience mission life. And so we spent several days cutting down with, with machetes because uh, they wanted it to be, you know, legit. So we used machetes to cut down these bamboo poles and tie them together, and we actually made a full hut. We also made a cinder block hut so they could see how missionaries live in other parts of the world. This one is signed by everybody who went on that mission trip. And I remembered the, that, that I had that, this this week when I was preparing. And when I look at all these names on here, listen, these are some of my most treasured friendships. You know, sometimes people come to Fellowship of Grace and they're here for three, four months and they go, you know, Pastor, I, I, I hate to say this, but I feel like, you know, you might have some favorite people. You know, those, those people that have been here seven, eight, ten years, I feel like you're more connected to them than you are to me. 
Well, listen, I love everybody, okay, who comes to Fellowship of Grace, well, even if they don't come. Uh, but, but when you are in the trenches with people, there's just something that, that God does to connect you. When you go places and you serve together and you experience a, a, a great successes and sometimes really challenging defeats in ministry, uh, there's just something that, that connects you. As I was thinking about this this morning, I thought about my first mission trip when I was a high schooler. I went with uh, a bunch of kids in my youth group to Florida. You know, most of those people are friends of mine on Facebook. And, and we don't spend a lot of time together, but we tell each other happy. There's just a connection to us because God has kind of, you know, put us together. He's, he's made these gospel relationships come alive. And so I want to encourage you to build some of those gospel relationships. In fact, Paul continues and really talks about how he feels about that in verses 7 and 8. And he talks about this shared ministry and how it knits their hearts together. Look at verses 7 and 8. He said, it is right for me to feel this way about you all. It sounds like he's from Texas, doesn't he? Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, those are some pretty strong words in there. Paul shares with the Philippians uh, that they hold a high place in his heart. And, I, and folks, it's really important to look at the words that, that God is inspiring here. Paul does not say, listen, you've got a really top spot in my mind. He doesn't say that. He says, you've got a top place in my heart. It's where his emotions are. It's where his personality is. He said, listen, guys, I, I haven't been with you for a long time. I, I love you. In fact, he says, I yearn to be with you. I long to be with you. He says, you've been with me throughout my ministry, even, in imprison, even when I was imprisoned, even when I was defending the gospel. Now, now, Paul, after he planted this church at Philippi, he continued to go from city to city, getting beat up, getting run out of town, getting tortured, He's now in prison for sharing the gospel. And he says, hey, you guys have shared in all of that with me. Now, they weren't with him. What's he saying? He said, listen, I have a sense of camaraderie with you because I led you to Christ, and you now have supported me. We're here, we've been doing this together because there's a partnership that takes place. And then he says, as God is my witness. Now, folks, when we hear a Christian in the Bible saying words like that, as God is my witness, he's saying without any doubt, without any measure of error or untruth, I am telling you absolutely, I, I yearn for you with the love of Jesus himself. Do you see the measure of how much he loves them? Folks, that's what we should experience as we minister together. That's the kind of relationships we should build in this church as we are just in the trenches of ministry together. In fact, you don't have to try and build them. They just happen as we do ministry together. That's why we commission and lay hands on those being sent out from our church. We're basically telling them, uh, you know, when, when we send out a mission team, whether it's across the world or down to Arkansas, we have them all come up here and we lay our hands on them and we pray for them and we send them out. What we're saying is, we're with you. 
Yeah, there might only be seven people going. There might only be 12 people actually physically going. But this whole church is going. We're all together. We're encouraging you. We're with you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to help finance you. We're going to get you on the mission field so you can be our hands and feet and represent us as you're there. It's this camaraderie that takes place in the ministry, folks. We are sharing ministry with them. I want you to experience that. And by the way, it is inevitable that when people come to Fellowship of Grace and they say, well, the, the, you know, I like the music, the people are friendly, preach is not bad, I, I may stick around here for a while, I think I'll, 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 I'll stick around. Here's what I know for sure. If they come to church every single week, but six months go by and they aren't involved in either a community group or a ministry team, chances are about 95% that after six months, they'll start fading away. And then somebody will go, has anybody seen Joe anywhere? And we'll go, I haven't seen Joe for months. What happened to Joe? Joe just faded off in the distance. Listen, you can't build those kind of, of gospel relationships in this room on Sunday mornings. You just can't. You just can't. This is a time for us to come and celebrate what God's done in our lives and celebrate together and, and sing together and listen to the Word of God, all those kind of things to encourage us to go out and do what He wants us to do. But honestly, how, how, how close are relationships do you build by sitting in these chairs next to somebody? Not, not very deep. Not very deep. But you know what? If you get into a community group where you're doing life with people, it changes. The whole dynamic changes. Or you get involved in a ministry team where you're doing ministry together. Listen, I, probably not a month goes by that where these uh, people that are serving in the children's ministry have some great stories, things that happen, crazy stuff that happens back there. I'm not, you know, I'm sorry. If you're a guest and your kids are safe, trust me, okay? <laughs> I don't mean crazy stuff like bad stuff. I'm just saying, you know, weird situations. And they share those, those memories and those experiences. And when you share life like that, God just knits your hearts together. I want you to experience that. So I want to challenge you. If you are here at Fellowship of Grace and you're an attender, Stop being an attender. Join. Plant your flag here. Be a member. If you're a member and you're just kind of sitting in the sidelines, you're up in the, in the rafters looking down, don't do that. Get in the game. Listen, you've got to get in the trenches to be way up looking down into the trenches. You'll never do that. And I want you to experience that because, folks, look, look what Paul's saying. Mean, Paul's heart is full of joy. He's, he's full of thankfulness for the people that he's ministered with. He's in prison. He's had the pulp beat out of him a hundred times. And he's saying, listen, because I know you guys and I'm feeling one with you in the ministry, man, my heart is happy. I'm, I am glad. That's what you can experience. See, no matter what happens, you can have joy and experience great thankfulness in ministry if you'll get involved. The last thing I want you to see here is that as Paul kind of concludes his opening into this letter, he prays, for the love, knowledge, discernment, purity, and fruitfulness of the people in Philippi. Look what it says in verses 9 and 11, through 11. Paul continues, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. 
Paul prays for them on their behalf. He prays that their love would grow more and more. Remember, he's not writing them to say, hey, you guys stink at loving one another. You guys got to fix this. This is a problem. He's not doing that. He's saying, you guys are really good at loving one another. But don't be satisfied. I'm going to pray that God helps you to love one another more and more and more and more. Now, I want to tell you something. I've experienced a lot of churches. I've heard a lot about, about a lot of churches in my lifetime. I think our church is really good at loving one another. I think we're really exceptional at that. But, but my prayer is that we do it better. We do it more and more and more and more and more. He prays then that their love would abound in knowledge and discernment. Now, it's, it's very interesting. He's not saying, I want to pray that you love one another, I want to pray that you have great knowledge, and I want to pray that you have great discernment. He's saying, I want to pray that you have greater love with more knowledge and discernment kind of attached to it. What's he saying there? Well, he's praying that their love is not an ignorant or an uninformed love. Oh, I just love you because you're one of us. He's saying, but I, it needs to be one that practices love by knowing each other, by discerning things. You know, if we have this kind of surface-level relationships where we all just like, you know, Pollyanna, oh, we're just all good Christians here at Fellowship of Grace. We just all love one another. It's all, we're all happy to be with each other and then leave here and, oh, I'm glad I don't have to see them for another week. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's just, that's pretend love. He's saying, listen, I'm going to pray that your love is so deep for one another that you really know each other, that you have great knowledge of each other, and that you're able to discern things about each other. Now, we might not, that may not sound like love at first, but let me just explain. We pray that, that in your community group, the people you do ministry with, that you have close enough relationships where you can, in love, go to them and say, hey, listen, you're doing something that, that I don't think is Right? And I'm not judging you or criticizing you. Uh, you know, we named our church very specifically. It's not fellowship of criticism. It's not fellowship of judgment. It's fellowship of grace. So we want to offer grace. But we need to have relationships where we can go and say, hey, listen, I see the things that, you, that you're writing on Facebook. I see the things that you're, that you're taking pictures of and posting. I'm concerned about you. I feel like you're maybe standing on the train tracks and there's a, there's a train coming, but you got your back to it. I love you enough to discern and know you and say, listen, I'm afraid for you. And then we need to be mature enough to say, wow, thank you for loving me so much to not just ignore it and go on. But thank you for providing me a little accountability, for watching out for me, uh, for, for telling me that I'm on tracks with the train bearing down that I don't see. Thank you. You see, love, folks, is not just about, uh, you know, shaking hands and hugging each other at the door on Sundays. It's about really being involved in each other's lives where we are encouragement and a help to one another. And, and both of us are better for knowing each other. And by the way, with the commonness of Christ in our lives, that's possible. That's really possible. If you've never had a relationship where people could speak into your life in love, um, it's, it's, just a, it's a great privilege. I mean, you, those of you who know me, you know, I'm, I'm a, I can, my personality is a little bit like Peter's in the New Testament. 
my mouth can get ahead of my filter. My ideas can get ahead of rational human thinking. And there are wonderful, loving people that, that speak into my life and say, hey, Michael, I, uh, I want to think about what you're doing there. What a great uh, just balance they are for me. And by the way, for many of them, I'm balancing their lives too to challenge them to move. If they're a slow mover and they don't do, I'm, I'm the one that pull, I'm pulling them forward. They're pulling me back. We're, we're just great for each other. That's what Paul's talking about here. He also prays that their love would cause them to live pure and blameless lives. You see, true love is not experienced in sin. It's only really experienced in righteousness. It's only experienced when we're uh, uh, experiencing God's blessing through righteousness. And by the way, even from the spiritual sense, until we experience righteousness that comes from the blood of Jesus covering our sins, we can't really experience true love. Listen, righteous fruit uh, or acts is only produced by the yielding to God and his word and his spirit. That's it. There's no other way to do right. Now listen, these are, these are some really great things that we should be praying for one another. These are some really great things that you should be praying for me. We should be praying for you. Uh, I know that as Derek and I are here and, and during the day, if we're both here at the same time and don't have meetings with people, we're, we're kind of in the office at the same time, almost every day we try to pray for you. We, we actually go through the list of members at Fellowship of Grace and, and pray for every family, sometimes every individual. We pray for your kids. We pray for your marriages. Uh, we pray that you'll take your next spiritual step. You should be praying for us that way. You should be praying for each other that way. Paul models this great thing for us, folks, and we should do it. Now listen, as we begin this study of Philippians, I want to encourage you to read this book. Read this book. I'm telling you, it will change your life. This entire book is only 104 verses. It, I mean, you can read that in a matter of minutes, not hours. 104 verses. And I'll bet if you read this book every day throughout this series, you'll most likely have most of it memorized by the end. And it will, it will revolutionize your life, I promise you. We're going to continue in this series through this book until Easter, which is late this year, April 16th. And so I want to challenge you to read the book of Philippians every day. Take 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever you want to do. And, and, and I'm not saying, you know, break out the Greek New Testament and study it like crazy every day. I'm just saying, just read through it. It's 104 verses. And it will really change your life. And also, we're going to be discussing it in our community groups if you're not in a community group and, and you've decided today's the day you want to get connected to a community group, uh, I always want to encourage you, you know, come talk to me or talk, well, don't come talk to me because I'll just say go talk to Pastor Derek. Just go talk to Pastor Derek and he'll get you connected to a community group. There's a list of all the community groups uh, in the uh, Connection Center out here on the right-hand side before you leave, walk out of the building. There's a list of them and where they meet and all that kind of stuff. Get in one. Start to build these relationships. Uh, if you're not involved in ministry, on the back of that connection card, say, I want to get involved in ministry. I want to serve in the children's ministry, or I want to be uh, on the prayer team, or I want to do something. And, and get involved with other people and start building these relationships where you really get connected, folks, at a really deep spiritual level.
and emotional level. Paul's not just talking about spiritual stuff here. In the words that he's using, he's saying, listen, you folks at, this church, at the church at Philippi, I just love you. Man, I just love you. One more thing I want to mention to you today. One of the reasons that Paul loves these people so much is because he led them to Christ. And I want to challenge you to share your faith more often because there will be a connection. Listen, for those of you who've had children, there's just a connection there. You know that, okay? You don't have to wake up and say, well, I think I should decide to love my kids today. You just do, right? And, and when you personally lead people to Christ, experienced, you will care about their growth. You will care about their lives. You will care about their relationships. And you will have this fondness, this spiritual connection with them that other people don't experience. Share your faith. Uh, share how Christ has changed your life with those around you. And I'll bet you he'll change their lives too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to just see your word again, to be challenged again. Father, I thank you for the Apostle Paul and for his work in the city of Philippi, for this wonderful church that was really modeling uh, what a church should be like. God, I pray that Fellowship of Grace would be one of those kind of churches, that we wouldn't be a church that he would... Uh, figuratively write to us and tell us what we're doing wrong, but he would say, listen, you're doing great. Love you guys. Father, help us as we serve you to just give our whole lives to you. As we minister together, as we're involved in community groups and core groups and ways to be connected, I pray that you will develop these spiritual gospel relationships in our lives, that we will experience this kind of love for one another. Uh, there's just nothing that the world out there can, can do to reproduce this. And so, Father, we're grateful to you. We're thankful for the commonness of you in our lives, for those of us who have given our lives to Christ. Father, if there's anyone here today who wonders what that's about, I pray that you'll give them the courage to talk to somebody before they leave today. I pray you'll give them the courage to write it on the back of that connection card uh, that they'd like to speak with one of the pastors or they'd like to talk to somebody about how to be connected to you in this deep and meaningful way. Father, we're thankful for what Jesus did on the cross when he paid for our sins. And we are so excited that he, uh, through your power, overcame death, hell, and the grave and, and stands as our victor today. We thank you for letting us be connected to you through him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.